Community Cats podcast. Ready? Let's go. Welcome to the Community Cats podcast. I'm your host, Stacey LeBaron. I've been involved helping homeless cats for over 20 years with the Merrimack River Feline Rescue Society. The purpose of this podcast is to expose you to great people who are helping cats daily, and hopefully you may learn a little bit more about what you might do in your community. Today, we are speaking with Brian Cordes. Brian is currently the director of national programs for neighborhood cats. Previously, he served as a grants manager for PetSmart Charities, overseeing over $21 million in TNR and spay-neuter projects. He has produced many of the leading educational materials on trap-neuter return, including award-winning books and videos, and is a frequent presenter on feral cat issues. Brian has a Bachelor of Arts degree from Cornell University and a JD from the University of California in Berkeley, California. Brian, I'm so thrilled to have you on the show today. I really appreciate you joining us. Well, thank you, Stacy. It's great to be here. I just wanted to start out and find out, how did you get into this business? Well, it, it wasn't by plan, that's for sure. I was walking down a block in the, my neighborhood on the Upper West Side of uh, Manhattan, and I was walking past an empty lot. And it's a funny story. I mean, I saw one kitten, and I thought, uh, I had a couple of friends in the animal rescue business, and I thought, well, I can get this kitten and pass her along. And then I saw um, two more kittens, and I started to feel a little queasy because I thought this is going to be a little harder than I thought it was, but it's still it's still manageable. Then I saw two more, <laughs> and I just had this sinking feeling, and I I kind of think I had a premonition at that point that my life was about to change, and it and it did. It turned out there were thirty cats in this courtyard, and most of them were feral. There was nothing. Uh, uh, there were no services available in New York City at that time in any kind of large scale or organized way for feral cats. So a couple of neighbors uh, and myself decided to uh, try trap, neuter, return. We heard about it from Anitra Frazier, who, um, author of The Natural Cat. And we decided we'd give it a try. Actually, I was kind of skeptical that TNR was something that would work in a kind of dense urban area like New York City. So we tried it, and a year later, we had uh, we were able to adopt out like 22 of the kittens. The, the, most of them were pretty young. Um, I mean, I learned the hard way about four and five months old. <laughs> but we ended up with an adult colony of about a dozen cats, and just took care. I took care of them for the next eight years. And in the course of my experience with hands-on with the cats, we learned that this was a problem that was repeated literally thousands of times throughout New York City. So we started teaching workshops and started writing books and and one thing just led to another in terms of the size of neighborhood cats and the programs that we have and honestly to this very day it's never stopped growing and it so it was just kind of like a tide that came in and took me along with it. So when you did that first colony that convinced you that you needed to start a nonprofit to be able to help other communities? Well, it became what what happened was our colony was very successful in the way that TNR colonies often are, which is neighbors stopped complaining, there wasn't as much noise, there wasn't odor, 
there weren't kittens all over the place. It became a much more peaceful situation for the people who lived on that block. So the people on the block next to us, they wanted the same thing done. And then we started getting requests from all over the place to do uh, the same thing, to TNR other people's cat colonies. And it became apparent that uh, if we were going to grow and do more and more of this work, that we needed money. And that's when we decided to form a nonprofit. And what year was uh, neighbor, Neighborhood Cats started? Neighborhood Cats w- was incorporated on uh, July 11th, 2000. So actually coming up on our sweet, sweet 16 birthday. Fantastic. Wonderful. That's great. We'll send you a cake. <laughs> <laughs> and congratulations. The six, 16 cat candles, exactly. I'm sure. So. That's a, exactly. <laughs> That's a, it's phenomenal. The amount of work that your organization has done for feral cats in 16 years is just, it's life-changing for so many communities and so many cats. So I congratulate you on all your efforts and really appreciate all the hard effort that you and your organization, all the members of your organization have, have put into this cause. Yeah, well, thank you. And, and I think, Really, our path was one where we just kept looking for, like, how do you solve the next problem? You know, so problem number one was, how do you take care of a colony of cats in this dense urban area? And then once we knew how to do that, problem number two is, how do we teach other people? So we started doing workshops, and that started a grassroots movement throughout New York City. Then we started thinking, like, how do you, how do you fix all the cats at the same time because it was so inefficient going one cat, two cat, three cats at a time. So we started working uh, with uh, the ASPCA. They opened up their their mobile spay-neuter clinics to feral cats for free. So we had the capacity to fix like 25, 30 cats at a time, but we didn't really know how to handle them. So we invented mass trapping and using uh, using traps as cages. And that, that's kept growing, and then other communities wanted to do the same, and so we started writing books because we couldn't teach everybody in a classroom. And so, see what I mean? It's just one thing kept leading to another, and that's been going on to this very day. I know you have worked with many, many, many different communities, especially with your time at PetSmart Charities. Are there any particular uh, stories that come to mind that are just tremendously successful that you're very proud of any stories that you'd like to share with us well sure i mean i think the most important thing for people who are involved in tnr whether whether someone is a caretaker or whether somebody is administering a community-wide program is a concept that i developed uh, just before going to PetSmart charities and then kind of implemented on a big scale while I was there and that's the whole idea of targeting and targeting is simply concentrating your resources in uh, specific areas until you get very high sterilization rates as close to 100 percent so in in a on a colony level you would stay with the colony until all the cats were fixed you wouldn't do one here and five there and six in another colony on a community level you would uh, stay with it until all the colonies in a specific area like a zip code or a downtown or something like that until they were all 100% fixed or as close as you could get. And 
that was a big change in the field when I went to PetSmart Charities because people were used to getting grants that just said, here's money for 500 surgeries and then a year later show us the receipts and everybody thought everybody did a great job, but it wasn't having any impact on the actual number of cats out there. So when we changed it to requiring targeting, uh, it was a bit of a kind of a shift in, in people's attitudes and approaches to the whole thing. But the thing that's so exciting about it is we saw we started seeing intake dropping in communities that were doing uh, targeting on a big way, like immediately. So I'm thinking about, um, say, Alley Cat Advocates in Louisville, Kentucky, and they targeted um, a couple of zip codes, and they just started seeing like 40-50% drops in intake within a couple of years. And that kind of scenario played out a few hundred times in different projects around the country. So at that point, we knew we were really onto something. So I, I would say that the idea of targeting and focusing your resources and not not being first come, first serve and, um, you know, not just spreading yourself too thin is, is really a key to success when it comes to TNR. Yeah, I, I listened to some other podcasts out there and there's an entrepreneurial podcast by uh, John Lee Dumas, and he has this phrase called focus, follow one course until success. So it's sort of in that same mentality, which is, you know, f stay with that one target area until you're successful before you move on to the next one. Uh, yeah, absolutely. And I think that, uh, you know, uh, organization that you're a part of, uh, Merrimack River Feline Rescue Society, was really the first uh, you guys did the first real community-wide targeted project, even though you may not have known you were doing it at the time, um, where you fixed like 300 cats on the waterfront in Newburyport, and now you have no cats there. Uh, but that's because you fixed all of them, and you kept the sterilization rates really high. And so we know we know that it works, and it worked on in my neighborhood on the Upper West Side of Manhattan. Uh, you know, we started 15 years ago, and there's very few cats on the streets here now. So it's not um, it's not rocket science, but it is it is letting go of that um, that mentality of whoever called and whoever needs help is who you should rush to first. And instead, it's kind of taking a step back and saying, "Look, I've only got enough money, time, spay neuter surgeries, whatever, to fix like 200 cats in the next six months." So if I'm if I can only fix 200, let me fix 200 in a way that's going to have a long-term impact, because I can't fix all I, I can't help all the cats. So let me do it in a way that's smart, and um, at least leaves an area behind which isn't going to need my help in the future. If you were just starting out in the business today, or interested in helping a cat in your community, who would you turn to for help? Who would I turn to for help in, in New York City? Or in general, you know, a Oh, in general. Yeah. Well, you know, I think that um, I would I would go look for um, any local resources and, you know, see if there's a feral cat group in your area. The Humane Society of the United States on their website has a, a great list. Uh, you enter your city or zip code. I'm not sure what it is, but it will ring up. Or, or state, and it will ring up a whole list of TNR programs in your area. 
And if there's one nearby, I would reach out to them and uh, see if they can offer any instruction or reference to spay neuter surgeries, you know, for, for low cost or maybe let you borrow traps. Another way, if, if you're specifically trying to help feral cats, uh, we just launched uh, with the Humane Society of the United States an online, actually it's um, kind of a revamped, it had been around for a while and then it disappeared for a couple of years, but now there's an online caretaker training class that people can get at uh, Humane Society Academy. So that's a good way to really learn the, the kind of hands-on work inside out. So that would be a good way to, to begin if you're um, starting out with TNR. If, if you want, you can always go to the Neighborhood Cats website, neighborhoodcats.org. There's a whole how-to section on TNR that um, covers it pretty well and also offers referrals to other resources to take a deeper dive if you want to. So I think looking to educate yourself and looking to see if there are groups operating in your area is a good place to start. But don't be intimidated if you can't find anybody else because with the online course, with the websites, um, people can always contact us at Neighborhood Cats, info at neighborhoodcats.org, and we'll walk you through the first steps. I mean, a lot of us started out with far, far fewer resources than are available now, and we also started at a time when TNR was much more controversial, believe it or not. And um, so a lot of those barriers have been removed. And if somebody really wants to help the cats, there's a way to do it. Many people reference after you've trapped your first and second cat, you get sort of a rush and an excitement. And so you sort of get this energy that you want to continue to, to do it because once you do it once or twice, then you really feel like you're convinced that you really are able to help the situation and um, make a difference for the cats in that community. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's not, it's intimidating maybe at first, but once once you do it and you see the difference in the cat's lives and also the community with uh, the less nuisance behavior and the problems being solved, you really, you really are making a difference. And it takes, I think the people that get really deeply involved in TNR, and, and by that, that could be simply taking responsibility for the five cats in your courtyard or in your backyard or uh, it doesn't necessarily mean that you become like a, a, a devoted TNR practitioner. It's just that you take some responsibility for part of this unknown outdoor cat problem. Um, it's very, it, it's very gratifying. It, it's these, I always think that the people who, who are caretakers who really devote themselves to the ferals are such a uniquely compassionate bunch because, uh, I mean, we all love our cats and our pet cats and, and they return that, you know, through physical affection and sleeping on our beds or waking us up when they want something, whatever it might be. With the ferals, it, you, you appreciate them more at a distance. Um, you know, they're not pets. They're not usually not going to come up and sit in your lap. Um, although sometimes after a few years they may, but it's more of a selfless, uh, you're getting your pleasure from knowing that you're helping other beings in need. And that alone is, is the satisfaction that um, is, is what you need and what you get. 
And now let's take a moment to listen to a few words from our sponsors. The Community Cats podcast is generously sponsored by the Merrimack River Feline Rescue Society, one of the nation's pioneers in successful TNR programs. In 1992, in response to a persistent feral and homeless cat population along the Merrimack River in Newburyport, MRFRS began a concerted effort to trap, sterilize, and return a colony of over 300 cats, setting up and maintaining feral feeding stations. That colony was successfully reduced to zero cats by 2008. Today, MRFRS's activities include two mobile, low-cost spay-neuter vans known as the Catmobile, an adoption program with a focus on special needs and hard-to-place cats, veterinary assistance programs for low-income individuals as well as unowned cats, and mentoring for local animal welfare organizations seeking to improve their TNR effectiveness. For more information, visit www.mrfrs.org. So uh, just uh, changing direction a little bit um, and looking at neighborhood cats and and what your organization is up to. And I don't know if you want to discuss the new project you have uh, called Cat Stats. Oh, sure. No, I'm happy to talk about that. Well, in New York City, one, one of the problems we've, you know, we're, we're very data driven. We believe that um, there should be accountability both to donors, to uh, grantors, wh whoever, to ourselves. So we wanted to be able to track the, the uh, impact on, on populations from the TNR work that we've been doing on, on different colonies because we've trained thousands of people here to do TNR. But the problem was how do we track, you know, we don't have the resources to hire somebody to do nothing but enter data. And we're talking about thousands of colonies. So what we did was we, we invented a uh, online colony uh, cat colony database where individual caretakers are the ones who actually input the data through their own password protected accounts and this way a few thousand people can all be entering data into the same um, database and it doesn't require one person to spend all their time you know creating a monstrous uh, Excel sheet so that worked we did that we had that database for about uh, since 2006 and the technology got kind of stale and it was difficult to export to other communities so we've recently um, with the help of a you know very generous donor we have completely renovated uh, the whole concept and the whole um, system and we've created a, a new online cat colony database called cat stats and uh, basically it does everything that the old database did plus mapping and uh, things like Trapper makes Trapper communication easier, uh, automated requests for help. It, it's kind of not just about collecting data anymore, it's about TNR program management. And it's going to be available within the next couple of months, if not sooner, at uh, the website is catstats, C-A-T-S-T-A-T-S dot O-R-G. And for organizations that are running their own TNR programs, uh, the database will be available for free. And basically what it will look like is each organization that's participating will have its own website and kind of its own module, its own piece of the database that it alone has access to. Excellent. 
Um, the and anything else that Neighborhood Cats is working on, or are you expanding into other areas outside of New York? Or you know, I know you speak all over the country, so you are busy traveling. Um, but I didn't know if there were any other any other projects or initiatives that you would want to share with us. Well, sure, sure. I mean, we we have programs not just in New York City. We actually have a pretty intensive program in Jersey City where we're doing a targeted project in uh, for a thousand cats in one zip code. Um, but probably the most exciting thing that is coming up for us in the next few months is we're going to be opening a chapter in Hawaii. And um, uh, myself and uh, Susan Richmond, our executive director, who's also my wife, will be actually moving there to uh, work with the local organizations and, and the national organizations to start to address uh, the free roaming cat overpopulation, which is pretty extreme in Hawaii. Uh, temperate climate, not a lot of spay neuter resources, um, not a really um, unified animal welfare system at this point. Also, there's a lot of pressure from conservationists now to, um, you know, so called do something about the cats, which usually leads to failed eradication attempts. So we're looking to go there and start to turn the the direction and turn it into a you know moving in a better direction, and hopefully start to um, assist with organizing people and educating the community, and um, starting to uh, put together some of the resources that have been developing there over the last year or two. That sounds very exciting. It's uh, it's a, it's a sort of like a fresh start. But uh, it, you know, it with new and interesting challenges, different challenges than you'd, what you would see in New York City. Oh yeah, absolutely. Although in a funny way, it's not. You know, there are a lot of similarities to New York City 15 years ago, when there were really no no organized TNR services available. So that's that's kind of like that's that's what we love to do. You know, is to go into communities that really are starting out and and help them build and hopefully from having the experience here in New York we'll be able to help make that happen faster in the meantime we'll still be maintaining our New York City and Jersey City programs so you know that that'll still be ongoing so let's fast forward a bit maybe five or ten years and Brian what what do you see our our country, our world, looking like for community cats? I, I think if we fast forward five, ten years, it's, uh, we're, going to, we're going to be much further down the road of, of an enlightened and um, successful approach to controlling their numbers, to uh, understanding that a neutered feral and, or community cat is, is uh, a good part of our community that um, we'll be advancing a lot, we'll be a lot closer to our goal of not having tens of millions of free roaming cats on the streets because we'll be uh, successful in population reduction. And the reason I say that is because if you look at the trend from over the past, say, 10 years, we really have accelerated in that positive direction. I mean, we're much, much further ahead now than we were um, back then. We didn't have programs like we have in, say, Albuquerque, New Mexico now, or Baltimore, or Philadelphia, or Chicago, 
or many communities where thousands and thousands of uh, community cats are being TNR'd every year, and they're seeing you know great uh, progress in terms of intake and euthanasia. Um, we still have work to do in terms of um, being able to quantify the impact on the population of free roaming cats of these large programs, but I'm confident we'll get there too. So I, I see, you know, there's still many battles ahead. We still have uh, pockets of resistance. Uh, the conservation community is still 10 years behind. They're still kind of holding on to their old uh, notion that nobody should be be doing TNR, even though they really don't have any uh, realistic alternatives to offer. So I would say that that's probably the last big hurdle to get over. But you know, we we used to have opposition from public health. We used to have opposition from mainstream animal welfare. Uh, we used to have uh, a lot of resistance from animal control, and all of that has been overcome. And and these constituencies have become partners. And as TNR grows in terms of the scale and more and more people um, start to think about it strategically, I think there's, there's a very bright future. I can't wait to see what happens over the next 10 years myself. I just think it's going to be phenomenal. I feel like everybody's going to understand what a community cat is and um, it will just be commonplace to just go and get your cat uh, that's in the community, you know, trapped and ear tipped and spayed or neutered and just returned back to the caretakers. Yeah. And I would, I would tell people like, uh, you know, if they want, they want to know what the future looks like on the ground, look at new England and, and look at all the great spay, neuter and TNR work that's been done there since, since probably the mid 1980s. And now, we, you know, when we trap kittens in Jersey city, uh, they're on the uh, bus up to New England to find homes because you guys are short of cats. So, you know, we know it works, and now it's a matter of um, executing. If uh, there are people interested in reaching out to you or to your organization and would like to find out more information, how would they find you? We're, uh best place to go is to uh, neighborhoodcats.org. We also have a Neighborhood Cats Facebook page. And people are always welcome to uh, reach out to me directly, um, Brian, B-R-Y-A-N, at neighborhoodcats.org. Brian, is there anything else you'd like to share with our listeners today? Any, any uh, key words, uh, inspiration, anything for folks that are involved with Community Cats? You know, I, I would just say to people out there, like, you know, take that first step. You know, if you, if you feel... Um, that poll, you see an animal in need, you see a cat in need, you want to try to help them, uh, you know, that's, that's a sign. <laughs> that's, a, that's a direction to take. And um, it's just amazing how far it can take you and how much, uh, how much of an impact one person can have. So, you know, just push forward and you'll be amazed. Brian, thank you so much for agreeing to be a guest on the show today, and I look forward to having you back in the future. It'd be my pleasure, Stacy. Thanks for having me, and thanks for putting together this podcast. It's a great thing. Thank you for listening to the Community Cats podcast. I would really appreciate it if you could go to iTunes and leave a review of the show. 
if you email me a screenshot of your review with your name and address and your t-shirt size, I will send you a Community Cats t-shirt. The reviews really help. Thanks, everybody. Wow.